When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is writer and podcaster Hannah George. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well. Very excited to be talking about S Club 7, which is what I'd like to do with most of my days. Brilliant. So (laughs) to start with, I'd like to know, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV series before? Well, yeah. In terms of S Club 7, I was a big fan um, when they sort of, I was just about the right age. I can't exactly remember exactly when they came out, but I was probably about 10 or 11 or something. Mm -hmm. And... I was a big I was a big fan of them. Even when my friends started liking, you know, like the offspring and Blink One Eight Two and kind of being <laughs> a bit cooler, um, I sort of had to like them in secret a little bit. But um I've gotta say, yeah, a bit of a bit of cheesy pop always did it for me. Like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And when you think about it, it's like it shouldn't be guilty pleasure, it's a bit of fun. But yeah, my guilty pleasure was definitely um, <laughs> the S Club. And the TV show, I, yeah, I watched all of it, but I cannot remember a single thing about it. It's so weird. Apart from the big car, um, I passed my driving test because I wanted to drive a big car across America like um, <laughs> like S Club. Um, and, yeah, and obviously, I mean, I wasn't, I was like 24 when I passed my driving test, I think. So the dream was still alive <laughs> even then. You could you could have done a road trip visiting all the spots that they visit in this show. Oh my god! I mean, do not tempt me. Although the drive from Miami to LA is apparently about forty hours or something, and it has taken up quite a few episodes, like just the journey from Miami to LA. <laughs> Did it? Because I started watching the first episode to sort of give me myself an idea of what was happening. Because we're talking about the second episode, aren't we? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I was wondering when do they actually get to LA because. They seem to stop along the way to have to earn money and stuff. Yeah, it's in the next episode. But yeah, there's also been two specials, which have been them traveling as well. So it's like a good old journey. (laughs) Amazing. So as you said, today we're talking about LA7 episode two, which is called Clever Camp. And it aired on CBBC on the 13th of April in the year 2000. So uh, the band are still traveling to LA. We start off with them in a diner and they're talking about how skint they are and they can only afford to order a small orange juice with seven (laughs) straws. And there's a really odd moment with Paul here, isn't there, where his stomach's rumbling. Yeah. I'd forgotten how like crazy the show was. I, I just thought it was, if you'd asked me what it was, I'd said it was completely straight down the line like a sitcom. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, as you watch it, you're like, this is really like weird and obscure and really very much ahead of its time. Yeah, there's a sort of weird close up of his stomach and it's sort of groaning and like moving around. Like it's like alien, like something's going to like pop out of there. Yeah. And then the diner starts kind of 
shaking and crumbling around him. It's so weird. And then it just snaps back and everything is just back to normal as if nothing happened. So it's like, was that like a dream sequence? But who for? Like, (laughs) what what happened? Yeah, no, I know. And then there was only a couple of other times where they do something slightly surreal in the episode. I always quite like that, though, in shows whereby a surreal thing happens, but it doesn't happen all the time. So you almost forget that it does it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's odd. Like, there's a bit later where Hannah talks to somebody in a kind of, um, uh, kind of cutaway. And that's quite weird. And then they address it. They're like, oh, she always does that. And I thought that was quite... That was quite funny. Yeah, and for the record, she doesn't. Like, that's not a recurring thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that you know that. Of course you know that. Yeah, I, I, I've watched these episodes too many times now. But, yeah, there's all this weird, yeah, weird stuff happens occasionally. There was a recurring thing in Series 1 where they kept sort of putting their hands in together and then a sort of lightning bolt ran through them like they were superheroes or something. But yeah. it hasn't happened in series two so far. I'm not sure if it's going to come up again. Oh, I, I feel like I definitely did that with my friends as a kid, almost 100%. <laughs> That's bringing back some memories. <laughs> Wanted to be part of S Club. <laughs> yeah. There was probably only four of us, though, sad enough to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe asks if anyone has any ideas. And Hannah goes, yeah, if they made elephants smaller, you'd have more chance of your parents buying you one as a pet. I mean, it's 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 out there, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> I quite enjoy it, though, because I sort of feel like Hannah is, of all of them, I think she's probably the most rounded character, perhaps. Um, and it did feel within her character, I think, to say something like that. And yeah, I think she delivers it quite well. Because sometimes I think when others um, deliver jokes, sometimes I feel like they don't know their jokes Mm. and they'll just say them. They've kind of nailed Hannah's character a bit more now because she is, she's quite sort of kooky. She she gets a lot of these lines that are a bit sort of like she's away with the fairies. Yeah. And Joe gives her like the dirtiest look because she obviously (laughs) meant ideas for earning some money. Yeah. And Hannah's like, oh, oh, I see that kind of idea. Um, and John is the one who suggests that they should get jobs before they carry on traveling. And the waitress has obviously overheard them because she sort of gives them a newspaper, which has an advert for a local summer camp that's looking for counsellors. Yes, yeah. And the, and the ad says, no jocks, crazies or airheads. Yeah, I know. That, <laughs> I, it's so funny when you watch things back, isn't it? Because I was like, oh, I'm not sure you'd really say crazies anymore that feels a bit much (laughs) also from a like a writing point of view I find it so funny when um you see in shows where you know obviously they need you need the the sort of turn into the next act or whatever you need the thing that propels the story forward and they were kind of quite funny about the fact that she just comes up and says here's your orange juice here's your seven straws here's your job and it was kind of like (laughs) just sort of hanging a lantern on the fact that I think the writer probably thought, oh, I know this is crap. I know this is like, <laughs> there should have been a better way to get into this. But um, but then you watch the rest of it and you're kind of like, it doesn't really matter what happens and why. It's just a bit of fun. Yeah, they just need to kind of get them to the camp somehow. We don't need a montage of them looking for jobs in loads of different places. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like in The Sims where you just pick up a newspaper and there's just a job there immediately. <laughs> I wish life was like that. <laughs> And Bradley isn't really sure what a counsellor is, and John tells him it's a bit like being a red coat at Butlins, which is the most British explanation ever. <laughs> and also, I don't think particularly true, is it? Yeah, and this show aired in America, so I was wondering if they maybe cut some things out like that, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just went with it and just, yeah, yeah American kids won't know what Butlins are, but never mind. Yeah, no, it's it's odd that, isn't it, the fact that it's all in... America but it's a British show but I to me as a kid as like an 11 year old I was like wow that's it's just it felt so glamorous and you can tell that it's still like you know on a budget it's not that expensive it wasn't that expensively made by the looks of things and um Mm -hmm. and yeah it is I think that that American thing just lends it this sort of feeling of being really kind of glamorous yeah a bit sort of exotic yeah 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 And I guess for kids watching it in America, maybe the appeal was that it's a load of 
British people. So it seems a bit sort of exotic in that way, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope so. I don't know. Maybe maybe American kids just think we're all like absolute losers with bad teeth. I don't know. But <laughs> does it go both ways? Not sure. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes see people online talking about, oh, I remember watching that show. And a few Americans said that they didn't realise S Club were a real band. Like they thought this was just a show about oh, a fictional band burn. because the music wasn't really that successful in America. But for some reason, quite a lot of kids watched the show on some obscure channel. Oh, interesting. That's funny, isn't it? You'd have thought that... I mean, I could sort of get why they might think that the band wasn't actually real. I don't know. But imagine not having, not not knowing that you could buy the album. <laughs> I know, they missed out. They, they just got the acting and they didn't get the music, which is the best bit. <laughs> well, that's what I thought about. So there's a bit in this ep, isn't there, where they have to do a performance and I was like obviously they're going to do one of their classic tunes and um mm -hmm. yeah and they don't at all and they do well anyway we'll get to that but um but yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was slightly <laughs> odd and then with the song that they actually do perform which is like love train but they're performing it with loads of kids <laughs> and stuff and you're a bit like I'm sometimes I think that shows like this that are about bands should have songs written specifically for the show so you know it's it's part of the story but no such luck. Yeah, definitely. The the songs rarely have anything to do with the episode. <laughs> and and sometimes there is a context of, you know, they're performing at a club or something. So it doesn't really matter what the song's about. Mm. But then, yeah, you get occasions like this where they're just performing with these kids it's, there's, there's no real message in the song related to the episode no <laughs> so they drive over to this camp which is called camp elysium and on the sign at the front it says uh cogito ergo sum and they're kind of debating what it could mean and tina says that it means whoever pops last pops the loudest oh, yeah <laughs> what I mean, I'm not even. Uh, uh, is that what it actually said? I, just, I couldn't work it out. <laughs> Apparently, it's. I think, therefore, I am. Oh, <laughs> I should have actually worked. I should have done some research, but um, I think, therefore, I am. There you go. But popping's funnier than thinking, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, this is part of the language of the show. Pop comes up all the time. <laughs> I don't. Do you remember anyone in real life saying this at the time? Because I don't think I do. Pop? No, I don't think. No, I've I've never heard pop apart from yeah, maybe on a kids show. Just S Club Seven. <laughs> so they get out of the car and they're a bit confused because they were expecting a kind of a campsite with tents and everything. Um, and Hannah goes, "Oh, you can't have a camp without cow pats. It'd be like having a cheese and pickle sandwich without the pickle." I mean. <laughs> I get what she means. Because it's like a big sort of fancy building, isn't it? And they weren't really expecting it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess because normally you'd camp in a field, she just thinks there'd be cow pats. And then there's some of the um, things like, yeah, the cheese and pickle sandwich without the pickle just seems, it seems like such an odd reference, but <laughs> that's... That's his club. Yeah, and Bradley also notices there's a library there. And so they all kind of corner Paul because apparently Paul is the one who spoke to the guy on the phone. And they're like, he's not expecting us to be teachers, is he? And Tina says, oh, you haven't spun him that old yarn about being at school with Prince William again. <laughs> <laughs> And John and Bradley have a little dig because John's like, oh, no, he only uses that line with girls. And Bradley's like, yeah, and their guide dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, like <laughs> so many things that you could not put in a, a kids TV show now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I did find it funny, like like all the references that they make to things. It kind of made me quite nostalgic. I know Prince William is still around, but, you know, remember when he used to be sexy? Remember when that was kind of like a thing? And yeah, and there was another reference to something. I can't remember what it was. It might have actually been in the episode before, but it was it was a joke about, I think, Silence of the Lambs or something. Yeah, and Silence I, of the Lambs, yeah. Yeah, and I was a bit like, I don't know that children are going to get that reference. Like, <laughs> like, I write kids' TV and sometimes I'm asked to take out sort of just words that might be too um, complicated, which is completely understandable. But yeah, referencing... 
a horror movie where someone eats people. <laughs> I'm like, nobody knows what that is. Well, no, kids know. Yeah, there are all sorts of references in here. Like in series one, there was a lot of reservoir dogs, which is so inappropriate. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Multiple references to reservoir dogs. And yeah, the, pre- the previous episode was a whole Blair Witch Project sort of parody. Wow. Like, yeah, kids, go and watch that. It's so weird, but lots of things that I watched as a kid I didn't know were a, um, a parody until much, much later. So, like, even things like Wayne's World. I remember watching Wayne's World and there's the bit at the end where he's kind of banging against the glass in the church, like, screaming for Cassandra. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, years later I watched The Graduate and I was like, I stole that from Wayne's World. <laughs> But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that happens in uh, The Simpsons as well. There's a bit in a Simpsons episode that I didn't realise was that same thing from The Graduate. Yes. Grandpa Simpsons banging on the glass. <laughs> to be honest, there's loads of things in The Simpsons that I don't think I realised were references until 100%. I was a lot older. <laughs> we watched um, Cape Fear the other day. And like, oh yeah, I've never seen the actual film. I don't think I'd be able to. It, it's genuinely impossible to watch because the music is so similar to the Sideshow Bob episode, and it's <laughs> it's so funny because it's obviously an absolutely horrible film about a horrible man who's like a rapist <laughs> and a killer and whatnot, and then you kind of find yourself chortling because. <laughs> <laughs> because the music is, you know, and when he when he turns up at the um underneath the, he's the underneath the car well. and there's yeah 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 <laughs> and it's so funny and you're like oh god I had no idea that that episode was anything other than just a Simpsons episode oh does he actually um hide under the car does he does he? I, didn't I know creased that. up oh my god when when it panned <laughs> down and I was like shut up there is no way um, and yeah there he was there he was but yeah <laughs> I think that's obviously how you do a parody because it still works without knowing the context but yeah it does kind of ruin the original thing yes absolutely but also it makes it a bit easier to actually write a story if someone's already done it <laughs> just like oh yeah no it's parody mate <laughs> I'm sorry but in what possible sense is this a camp where are the tents or the share blocks or the cow pads well, you can't have a campsite without cow pads. It'd be like having a cheese and pickle sandwich right the pickles. Or the cheese. <laughs> well, maybe they have a different idea of what camping is here. I don't know about you, but when I went away with the 27th Lewisham Sea Scouts, well, we didn't quite feel the need to bring our own library. It looks more like a university than a kid's camp. This Beasley bloke, he does know we are, right? I mean, he's not expecting proper teachers or anything. No, 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 of course not. You didn't perchance spin him that old yarn about you being at school with Prince William, did you? <laughs> yeah, like I would. Don't worry, teen. He only uses that line on girls. <laughs> or their guide dog. So they they bump into these these kids who tell them, oh, lectures are about to begin in the main hall. Uh, and apparently the first topic is dark matter and wormholes. <laughs> and Hannah goes, biology, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> and also the kids say that they're the ones who are actually giving the lecture, yeah. uh, which is a bit odd. And they say to the band, welcome to Clever Camp. Yes, welcome to Clever Camp. I love it because they never sort of follow up on the fact that the kids teach the lessons. In fact, there was a distinct lack of teachers in the entire camp. Like there was no one. I dread to think what this place was doing before like the seven members of staff they needed turned up. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the one guy, isn't it? And he doesn't seem to really even be teaching anything. That's a bit... um, I wonder if the parents know that they're paying for their kids to just teach (laughs) each other. Yeah. (laughs) So we then meet the professor, who's the head of the camp. Uh, He explains that it's a camp for sort of high achievers. And yeah, you mentioned before, there's a weird little sequence where we keep getting cutaways to kids doing different things like uh one of them's typing really fast and there's smoke coming out of the keyboard one of them's playing the violin and then hannah just starts talking to one of them even though the the kid isn't actually there and everyone kind of looks at her a bit strangely and john goes oh she always does that (laughs) but like you say she doesn't which is even funnier to be fair it's odd 
I quite liked that though. I quite liked that. Um, for me, that was that was just quite a good gag. I hadn't really seen it before. I mean, I'd seen that sort of thing, but um, but I, I genuinely thought that was quite a good bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit surreal, isn't it? Yeah. So he offers them the job without even interviewing them because he says Paul has already told him everything he needs to know on the phone. And he says, I'm so thrilled to have seven of Prince William's best friends fresh out of Oxford. <laughs> It's perfect. But, and also because Prince William went to Edinburgh, didn't he? Yeah, St. Andrews, I yeah. think, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it. St. Andrews, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even go to Oxford. But um, but who cares, man? I was who a bit cares? confused at first because I thought that at first I thought the professor had a sort of English accent. Because at first I was like, surely he can tell that they're not like surely he would know about oh but but then after a while I thought oh I don't think he has got an English accent I think it's a bit like you know that sort of Fraser accent where it's a bit posh American kind of thing yeah I think it's that sort of thing and I, I looked this guy up and he's uh he hasn't done much acting but he appears to be a pianist Oh right. So maybe maybe it's but he doesn't play the piano in this episode unless there was a deleted scene. <laughs> he was quite good. I quite liked him. I thought he was quite yeah, I thought he was quite funny. But yeah, you're right. If he's a pianist then maybe use him rather than Paul playing um <laughs> and at one point yeah, oh sorry, I keep jumping jumping ahead. Yeah, we'll get to that soon cuz he this is the point where he says to them, oh, what have you got planned for your performance tonight at the recital? And he's like, oh, maybe a bit of a Tchaikovsky, perhaps? And Paul tries to sort of pull his own hat over his face because he's so <laughs> oh, like, <yeah>. mortified. <laughs> and then the next thing we see is Bradley is basically holding Paul's neck, like holding him by the throat, and he's sort of hovering above this like little a pond or a pool yeah. or something. And they're all kind of crowded around, like, drown him. <laughs> That's another thing you could not get away with these days. Like, um, <laughs> you could not get away with trying to drown one of the uh, members of the band. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got some peril. <laughs> As Paul is trying to sort of explain himself and he goes, I mean, we have been to Oxford. And Rachel goes, yeah, for one night to perform at my niece's party. <laughs> It's 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 a classic um, a classic gag, and I like because um, I, I I can't stop thinking about the fact that if this was the year two thousand, when like how old would Prince William have been? Oh, I'm not sure actually, because I feel like he'd only be about seventeen or something maximum, and I kind of think like what yeah. are all, what are all these twenty somethings doing being friends with like a, <laughs> a sixteen year old? But that was the other thing that really. Um, shocked me about it is I don't know about you like watching it the first time around they all looked so old and so cool and I was like wow mm-hmm. these are sort of like proper adults and I look at it now and I'm like oh my god they're babies like they're so yeah. young and you know the early 2000s fashion is uh I mean it's, it's left leaves a lot to be desired doesn't it yeah there's a lot of sort of crop tops and really flared trousers <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, poor Rachel, she never gets to wear a whole jacket, does she? <laughs> but yeah, I had that same thought where I watched it and I was like, oh my god, they look like teenagers. But when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, they're adults, definitely. Yeah, I wonder how old they actually were. I never really sort of like thought so about that. So when they started, when they did series one, John was the youngest and he was 16. What?! And so this series now is like a year, I guess a year no, later. No way. So in which case, they're yeah. absolutely fine to be friends with Prince William. I take it all back. <laughs> they vary a little bit. Paul's the oldest. And I think at this point, he's possibly about 23, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm not oh, sure wow. why John is so young. John looks a lot older in series two than he did in series one, actually. In series one, he had like curtains. Right. And he looks, he's got a sort of spiky hair now. He looks a little bit older. <laughs> oh my God, what happened in between series one and two that made John suddenly uh, suddenly look so much older? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're all freaking out because they're expected to perform some classical music for the children. 
And at first, John is like, oh, maybe we can just sort of bluff it and improvise. And Tina goes, we can't improvise classical music. It's got rules. Mm. And they all start kind of walking away. And Joe just goes up to Paul and completely like slams his head down into the water (laughs) before she walks away. (laughs) So aggressive. I know. I know. It is quite... um... Yeah, I looked at that as well, and I just thought, that is just like pond water, man. That's horrible. That's not fresh water. <laughs> I wouldn't want my head stuck in a pond like that. And I couldn't help thinking, like, oh, poor old Paul having to do this for the show, um, but it probably being quite unpleasant. Yeah, he, he was committed, because he dunks <laughs> his own head in at first, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. To kind of punish himself. <laughs> and then Joe has to get in at the end and have a last little a little slam of the head into the water. You see, that's the thing. I think, you know, Joe, she's got her... Uh, her character's just quite aggressive, isn't she? That's kind of her mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but, yeah, Tina, like, I'm not sure what Tina's whole sort of thing is I I don't know what her sort of characteristics are supposed to be yeah it varies because sometimes she's like the sensible one and then sometimes she really isn't yeah she's an enigma (laughs) yeah I quite I quite like Tina I remember Tina always used to be my favorite because she was like the dancer right yeah it wasn't really much beyond that really it was nothing to do with personality (laughs) it was like I identify with her a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my favourite was Hannah because she was called Hannah. Like that was all there was. Oh, to of that. course, yeah. <laughs> also, I read an um, article about Hannah um, several years later. It was just oh, I can't even remember where it was, but it was she was talking about money, and it was in a money supplement of some newspaper. <laughs> and basically, like they made, they didn't make a lot of money. I don't think S Club, but they made mm-hmm. enough money. And her dad basically like helped her invest it and she bought a house and was really sensible and she's sort of like really set up for life and it's kind of really nice to hear. Oh. <laughs> I know. I was like, who would have thought that that would be the thing about S Club that I really remember and I think about? <laughs> but I do think like, oh, wow, okay. Good on you, Hannah. Imagine someone commissioning that piece in a financial <laughs> magazine. I know. Ironically, not an airhead at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
To be fair, I think Bradley is giving his best performance in the show here because <laughs> it's basically it's basically just facial expressions for a yeah. few minutes, but he is properly selling it, I think. Yes, I feel like he's not given enough in the show, you know. I'd like to see some more of Bradley rather than just like because there's a scene in a bit, isn't it, where he just sort of like comes walks in at the end as a punchline and you're kind of yeah. like, "Oh no, I want I want to like actually hear more from him." But yeah, so he was good, but I think that was because I didn't have to listen to him playing a musical instrument. <laughs> That's why I liked him. <laughs> yeah, you'd think they could have just, they could have sung something, couldn't they? That they could have got some sort of classical song and tried to, to give it a go a cappella. Yeah. Rather than just grabbing a load of instruments <laughs> and thinking, yeah, I'll put Tina on the uh, the violin, Joe on the cello. <laughs> Paul, at one point, Paul starts sort of like, smashing his bum against the piano doesn't he <laughs> yes and then he plays in the middle of it he plays that oh god i can't remember what it's called the the it's like the yeah yeah which is like the one thing i could play on piano as a kid and i was like oh paul learned that as well that's hilarious he was actually trying to play something but and Rachel's got a triangle because I guess she maybe had to have the sort of the daintiest instrument. She just sort of flicks it every now and again. Yeah. Whereas Hannah is juggling like three different instruments. She's got drums and some bells. And then at the very end, she has these cymbals that she smashes together. Yeah. <laughs> She's the whole percussion um what do you call it? I can't think of the the word within an orchestra uh, section. I guess like section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just it was a bit of a oh yeah. It was a bit of a shame because I think also like I thought there was going to be more of a twist to it, but the twist was just that he really liked it and the kids thought it was all right. <laughs> yeah. And again, it was just one of those things where like as the writer, rather than sort of <laughs> working out a clever kind of twist on it, you're just like. Oh, yes, yeah, sod it. It'll just be... Um... Sorry, can you hear that dog? Let me see if I can close... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've closed the door now. Um, it's a very cute dog, though. It's an Alsatian with huge ears. Cool. So, um, yeah, I like how uh, John has got this instrument that is apparently a, a sousaphone. It's like a massive tuba. And he doesn't really do much. And then towards the end, he starts trying to blow it and no sound comes out. And yeah. I like how Bradley looks really panicked as if like, <laughs> we've, been getting, we've been getting away with it until now, John, yeah, you're ruining right. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he gets sort of, he gets sort of a sort of noise out of it at the end, doesn't he? Which is actually quite impressive. Yeah, and the kids are all just watching in complete silence. And at the end, this girl says oh, that was either totally brilliant or the worst thing I've ever heard. And the boy next to her says, what, even worse than Silence of the Lambs, the musical? That was it then. That was the gag. <laughs> I thought it was in the episode before, but it was in this episode. Yes, yeah, Silence of the Lambs, the musical. As if kids around I'd the country... that musical. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. I mean, I love a musical, um, but it does crack me up that they think that kids would... Um... <laughs> would have seen yeah Silent it probably it probably didn't happen so much at the time but nowadays they're always making musicals out of films so silence of the lambs the musical doesn't sound that outlandish anymore really oh no, i think it could i went to see um, american psycho the musical um oh really i've heard about i've heard uh <laughs> it's sort of mixed things about that experience <laughs> Do you know what? i really liked it i thought it was really good great um but it's yeah, it's an it's an odd thing to, but I think you can make a musical out of anything. To be honest, I'd prefer most films if they were musicals. Yeah, the American Psycho ones become a little bit sort of infamous because it it wasn't on for that long, really, was it? And it's not. I don't know if it'll back. ever come back. Yeah, I know it's weird that it sort of disappeared, but then um, yeah, I thought it was quite good. But also, I'm not a very good barometer for things that are good because I'll watch like I watched the like you know the Eurovision. Um, film on netflix the new one fire oh yeah, yeah yeah i think it's one of the best films ever made and then i read the reviews <laughs> expecting them all to agree with me and uh, no they do not <laughs> people do not like it apparently uh, i haven't watched it yet. i am going to because yeah i had a similar thing where i saw the reviews but well the other way around really i saw the reviews and then oh. i saw people on twitter actually saying they were enjoying it so i was like oh, okay i will give that a watch at some point it sounds fun 
Yes, yeah, I always go for, um, yeah, like Twitter or word of mouth rather than reviews. I think reviews are kind of pointless because I imagine the reviewers weren't kind to uh, S Club 7 at the time. But now <laughs> look at them, they've got a whole podcast about them. <laughs> How wrong they were, look at them now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You took the words right out of my mouth. That was either totally brilliant or the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You mean worse than Silence of the Lambs, the musical? Possibly. Let's just go with brilliant, shall we? So the kids eventually decide that they like it for some reason. So they stand up and start applauding them and the teacher joins in. And Bradley wants to do the whole thing again and the band are all like, no. Oh, yeah, that's when Joe comes in and is like, get out, and literally like grabs him by the scruff <laughs> of the neck. Um, it's great. I, lo- I do love her um, ability to just be incredibly um, violent most of the time. It's, it's great. Yeah, she's like the Jason Statham of S Club 7. She's always <laughs> like telling everyone to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next day, the band are spending more time with these kids And the overall theme is kind of like, oh, these kids are too serious and they don't know how to have fun, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, then we go into that montage, don't we, of them showing them how to have fun, which is is the first thing, the thing with the fungus. Now that just blows my mind. Yeah. That's very Yeah, they're trying to get them to kind of smell a fungus on a tree. It's John and Hannah. They've taken them on some kind of nature walk and are kind of despairing because the kids are walking like while reading a book yeah. um and yeah they get they get them to smell this fungus and the kids are like oh this is fun and, ha- and they look at each other with a kind of smirk like yeah we're doing our jobs well here <laughs> i did love that we're changing these them. kids yeah exactly we're changing lives here um, but we haven't told them not to <laughs> at any point try and eat the nice smelling mushroom they found on a tree like i did think i was like oh I'm not sure if you should encourage kids to sort of like smell um, mushrooms and think they smell delicious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't think John and Hannah are experts in flora and fauna, so they could be getting them to inhale anything here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Aha! Right, now do you remember what I was saying about nature helping us to find our way? Well, take a look at this tree. Do you see the fungus here growing on the bark? Well, this fungus only ever grows on the north side of a tree. I'm sorry, there's no fungus in my tree book. Is that magnetic north or true north? Why don't you put your books down and take a look at the real thing? Yeah, come on, everyone get nice and close, it's not going to bite. Okay, now, first things first. What does it smell like? Mm. Oh, does it delight you like a pretty flower? Or does it stink like a pop in an envelope? It's kind of buttery and lemony, you know? Like toast with honey. Or, or rivers, you know, in the winter when the water's really flowing. Cool, fungus. And then Paul is talking to a boy who has made his own kite but uh, can't fly it. And Paul somehow fixes it by putting some gum on it. I'm not really sure what's <laughs> going on here. <laughs> yes, because I was kind of pleased that he did that because I was watching it and I was like... Paul's just chewing during this scene. That's so, like, (laughs) it just felt really kind of like, that's not what you do on a TV show unless your character chews gum the whole time. And then when he put it on the kite, I was like, okay, he's not just really phoning this in. Um, There was a purpose to it. Yeah, yeah. But, But again, with something like that, like maybe he should have been chewing it at some other point in the thing because otherwise it felt a bit random that... He yeah. was chewing gum and suddenly he needed it. But <laughs> what can you do? And yeah, it's weird because yeah, the kid's kind of like, oh, I've followed every rule of aerodynamics and I, it just won't fly. And Paul's just like, here you go. And just like shoves a bit of gum in the middle of it. And then that somehow fixes it. Yeah, it's just, it's, I like it. It's just chill out, mate. It's just the entire sort of ethos of it. And um, and I quite, <laughs> it's quite funny because actually I found it all quite... Um, I find it quite moving by the end, you know, this whole thing of these kids who just don't know how to have fun. And, um, and yeah, there is that thing of, yeah, learning can be fun. 
Yeah, and Tina is horrified to find that uh, dance class involves reading books rather than actually dancing. And she is talking to this girl and she goes, oh no, she's half girl, half desk. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, that, I, I think that. what I'm, when I sort of said earlier that some of them nail the jokes and other, others of them just sort of say them, I think unfortunately <laughs> Tina's maybe one where she, well, yeah. but what I respect about Tina is when she does get a line, she kind of drags it out. So she gets a bit more screen time. And I like that. I respect that. Because <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's hard enough anyway, writing like a show for a few characters. But when you've got seven characters to service the whole time, mm-hmm. that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's really hard. And actually for each, each character probably only gets about sort of 10 lines in each episode because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she's just like, oh, I thought. You were supposed to be in dance lesson. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way they can yeah, cut around it. <laughs> yeah, you've got to work with what you've been given. <laughs> yeah. Need to milk it. <laughs> exactly. So she takes this girl to the dance studio because for some reason there is a dance studio there, but no one's allowed to use it. And yeah. she starts teaching her some ballet by basically just doing some moves and being like, copy that. And the professor spots them through the window, doesn't he? And is kind of outraged, like, ballet on my watch. (laughs) Yeah, you're completely right. Because it's like, not only have they got a dance studio, but also like ballet is like the poshest and most sort of important of the of the dance. You know, if she was actually teaching her some S-club dancing, I could understand the headmaster being like, what on earth is this? But yeah, why is he so appalled with ballet in the ballet school? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the benefit is of dance class being just reading about dance. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense whatsoever. She's not going to get far in life by doing that. No, because it's quite a good like, it's quite a good joke, I guess. But then, yeah, after that, when you actually think it through, it doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I also understand why people like Tina because she clearly is quite a good dancer, isn't she? Jennifer. Aren't you meant to be in dance class now? I am. It's fascinating, actually. Did you know that most dances can be traced back to the ancient fertility rites of the Inca god Laminatu II? Yeah, um, great, fantastic. But you don't dance with your brain. You dance with your body. And your body's required in the dance studio right now. That's if you actually have a body under there. (gasps) Oh, no! She's half girl, half desk. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the band are all hanging out together. And I like how Rachel is the one who goes, oh, I've never had a day quite like that before. And we literally haven't seen Rachel, so we don't know what her day has been like. (laughs) Like, what has she been up to that was so exciting? That's true. Literally, she was um, at the beginning, she said that she'd uh, like to be a red coat because red is really working for her. And that's it. That's yeah. all that we had. <laughs> yeah, we don't see what she does in the day or Bradley or Joe. Yeah, Rachel doesn't get given much to do in this episode, apart from go, oh, what a day. And we don't know what she's been up to. <laughs> Maybe she'd been like up to some really sinister shit. Who knows? <laughs> she could have had they her have own. Cut, cut that out. For yeah. The kids. <laughs> It's like, we'll keep the uh, Silence of the Lambs, the musical, but uh, (laughs) we're not going to have what Rachel did. It was horrible. Uh, This is the point where Hannah says, well, there's nothing wrong with these kids. The problem is that adults like the professor and their parents don't want them to behave like kids. So the band decide that they need to help them get in touch with their childish side. And then, yeah, this is the moment you mentioned earlier where they're like, oh, we need to get in touch with our childish side too. Here he is. And Bradley walks in. Poor and all Bradley. having a great time. <laughs> Poor Bradley. The butt of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good. I like that there's bits at the end where they do the, um, you know, the, uh, what do you call them? Um, oh, outtakes. outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh God, the few lines Bradley did get, he like fluffed them. <laughs> <laughs> bless him yeah <laughs> he he got all his facial expressions down though during the performance yes yeah exactly he sh- he shone he shone then he needs more physical comedy <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
And we get a song here, which is Love Train. And yeah, we were saying before, it's not really relevant to the episode. I think they maybe chose it because the opening line is, been working so hard for so long. Oh. And then after that, it's completely irrelevant. But that's the opening line. Because at first, when it started, I was like, oh, is this going to be relevant to the episode for once? And no, it's not. It's just that opening line unless it was about what rachel had been up to when uh she was on the love train <laughs> and she'd had quite the afternoon <laughs> Ooh, never had an afternoon like that before <laughs> yeah there's this hidden subplot <laughs> but yeah the, the song also i noticed at the beginning in the background i think in the calf they were playing an s club seven song as well yeah probably yeah which i think is quite clever really because you don't have to pay a composer you can just be like should we just use another s club song yes let's do that yeah there's often like versions in the background like with no words and stuff so they're all dancing around with the kids painting with them and baking and obviously it ends up with them just kind of throwing paint around and throwing flour around and the professor eventually puts a stop to it and kind of summons the band to his office. Yeah. And I, I quite like this bit where Bradley says, we were just having a laugh, and the professor goes, oh, and that's funny, is it? <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good exchange. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's funny, is it? Well, yeah. But in this scene, man, this scene is the bit that got me. It got me right in the throat. I was just like, oh, man, this is properly... Um, I found it quite moving. Yeah, because uh, Joe is kind of like, chill out, mate. Kids need to have fun. And then Paul does like a really sincere speech, oh. doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, did you see those kids' faces? <laughs> he also quite presumptuously says, they were happy for the first time in their entire lives. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, yeah assuming a lot about these kids yeah they've never had a christmas they've never had a birthday they've never <laughs> met a puppy for the first time they've never had any any type of happiness how could they they haven't like thrown some... have <laughs> turned it around in a day exactly by throwing flour in their faces and ruining <laughs> their perfectly good art as well i might add yeah <laughs> literally these kids are talented as fuck and like they're doing these paintings and then one of them will just come and draw a big s in red across it and I was like, that's not childish, that's bullying. Like, that's not on. Yeah, and there's sort of, there's shots of like, like John is like rubbing paint into a girl's hair at some point. <laughs> it's like, don't take it too far, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it did feel, yeah, it felt quite full on. But, you know, it was the first time those kids have been happy for their entire lives. So, <laughs> you know, you have to go to a certain <laughs> degree. Also, like the whole time. Like, Paul has his top off, which I find slightly weird. Yeah, and he's got a nipple ring. Did yeah. you notice that? Oh, mate, did I notice yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that's the thing. Like, I always thought, to me, before I saw the show, that Paul was also always a bit of a bad boy because he had, like, an eyebrow piercing as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a wrong'un. And then, um, <laughs> which is very presumptuous, was he's just got an eyebrow piercing. But you didn't see many on the Isle of Wight in the early 2000s. And um, it was <laughs> very, very risque. But like, um, but yeah, in the show, he's actually quite sweet, isn't he? He's quite nice. I was quite, um, I was quite surprised by, by that. <laughs> yeah, Joe is the, uh, the, the, the hard one of the group. Yeah, she needed an eyebrow piercing. That would have um, <laughs> would have made it clearer for me. But um, maybe Paul just seemed a bit sort of bad in comparison to like John. Bless him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah. And anyone would look <laughs> would look bad, like Aww. a badass compared to John. <laughs> so after Paul has given his heartfelt speech, they all go outside and. The kids kind of grab the professor and are like, oh, can we have your help with an experiment? And the music turns really sinister, like they're all going to sort of kill him or something. Yes. But they're just sort of, they're leading him gradually towards the pool. Like, oh, it's for a scientific experiment. And then they just sort of chuck him in, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, to be honest, 
I think it was, I was, I was a little bit disappointed that he came up at the end and he was kind of, he just kept talking about the physics of it and stuff. And I'm like, he never gets anything, this headmaster. Like he doesn't <laughs> get the fact that these seven people who have not been CRB checked have just come in and said <laughs> that they're like friends of Prince William. And he hasn't, you know, he hasn't really worked any of it out. Um, and then, yeah, even at the end there, he doesn't realise that all his students hate him, which is maybe a good thing. Yeah, and, and the band just leave. I wonder where it's going to go from here in the camp. They've just sort of caused all this chaos and are like, see ya. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And there's, considering the, the place doesn't have any um, uh, any teachers, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have any lifeguards either. So all the kids are in the pool <laughs> and then they've just all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a very well-run camp, is it? There's one adult to like 50 children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's probably why they're all doing like just reading books because it's safe. <laughs> so well that's the end of the episode so do you have any kind of last thoughts on it or any sort of memories of the show in general any final thoughts on um <laughs> on Esca? i did enjoy the um the outtakes bit at the end um because the, yeah <laughs> there is kind of like a feel to that show a little bit like they've used the first take a lot of the time <laughs> So like, to actually find that there's stuff that they were like, okay, we can't use that is, um, <laughs> is fine. But I, yeah, no, I, to be honest, I love, like, I have a real affinity with kids TV. I love kids TV. And I always have, like, I watched so much of it growing up that it was quite, it was mm-hmm. quite nice to go back and, uh, and watch it and hear the S club songs. And there was one like bring it all back was the, um, mm-hmm. that's the only song that I know the entire dance routine to. Um, which, <laughs> and I remember me and my brother learned it when we were kids and then we were in a club together like in our 20s and it came on and as you can mm-hmm. imagine the nobody gave a shit and we just did the whole dance and like, I thought everyone would surround us clapping and cheering but that didn't happen but it was uh, genuinely um, <laughs> a lovely moment because I don't know how to dance apart from that but yes that's my favourite S Club memory is you know 10 years later <laughs> ripping up the dance floor <laughs> at a terrible club in Southampton. But. <laughs> Great. So uh, before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything uh, like your podcast, for example, that you want to plug? Oh, yeah. So I am at Hannah M. George on Twitter. Um, and my podcast is at Drunk Women Pod. Um, and the podcast is called Drunk Women Solving Crime. And it's pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. Um, me mm-hmm. and Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn we just um have a guest on each week so we've had lots of guests always women and we yeah just solve true crimes basically we don't always solve them but we um (laughs) certainly talk about them um yeah and it's it's lots of fun Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.